1: Enterprise, the recruitment company improving
2: people's lives for over 50 years. This is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner with Frankie Mackay on SENZ.
0: Come here, watch
3: me on the Good morning, and welcome along to the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner. Enterprise, the recruitment company improving people's lives for over 50 years. I'm your host, Frankie McKay. And between seven and eight this morning, we're going to chat all things sport and all things Canterbury sport as well. Well, <clears throat> in the week that's been, the the Tiny Jamison Trophy finally got underway. Originally scheduled for three games, it was condensed down to two, played in two games, two days. After visa issues plagued the Jamaica Sunshine Girls, so much so that coach Connie Francis had to be named on the bench. To put this in a little bit of perspective, she debuted for Jamaica the same year that Ian Foster debuted for Waikato, 1985. I can't quite imagine Fozzie having to don the black for the All Blacks, but Connie Francis was there if needed. Luckily, starting seven, made it through both games and she didn't have to take the court. But the Silver Ferns, completely dominant, winning by 25 and 40 goals. Canterbury Pride got their season underway with a 3-0 win over Central Football last weekend and today, 2.45, they take on Western Springs at Seddon Park in Auckland. The All Whites were back in action Thursday night against Australia, ending an 11-year gap between matches between the two sides. And today, in a little couple of minutes' time, we'll catch up with Wellington Phoenix legend Paul Eiffel and go over the ins and outs of that match the White Ferns won the first two ODIs and clinched the series, and Friday night footy was back at Orange Theory Stadium last night. Canterbury getting off to a slow start before running out 38-20 winners. Prior to that game, we caught up with former All Black captain and front row Richard Lowe to give us his thoughts on the All Blacks ahead of 0 2, the Black Ferns, and just how that Canterbury MPC side is tracking. So we'll play that out just after 7.15 this morning. Of course, there's going to be Frankie's Five, which takes on a bit of a football theme this week as I nominate my greatest five ever all-whites. Addington Raceway brings us what's happening in Canterbury, and to round out the show, we finish with the Melray Electric Panel, where this week it takes on a real cricket theme. We've got Jeremy Coney and Garth Galloway joining me. So a big show coming up. Our first guest is an outstanding chat, so let's get to it. Football time, and the all-whites are in the middle of two international friendlies against Australia, which are being staged to mark the 100-year anniversary of the first encounter between New Zealand and Australia. Thursday's 1-0 Australian win was the 65th time that these two teams have met, with the All Whites winning 13, Australia 41, and the other 11 ending in a draw. Joining me today is former international and Wellington Phoenix legend who's now moved into coaching himself with Christchurch United Club Paul Eiffel. Paul thanks so much for joining us and and welcome
2: to the show. No problem thanks for having me.
3: Now Thursday's 1-0 loss but some some real positives there for the All-Whites I thought how did how did you see the game?
2: Yeah, I, th- I thought there were some positives. Um, I think one thing's for sure, we should do these sorts of games more often, um, not just for anniversaries. I think it would be really um, beneficial, um, especially to New Zealand. I think it's hard for us to get uh, meaningful games. Um, and certainly, although it was only a friendly, I think there was a lot of feeling to it. Um, I thought it was pretty high intensity. Um, and I felt that we did OK. Um, I thought we built up really well. I thought the build-up play has, has clearly been worked on. Um, and, and we look pretty comfortable on the ball, um, which hasn't always been the case you know, over the years. So I think that's a real positive. Um, I think probably for me the only negative was the lack of opportunities carved out. I think we got one from a, from a long ball that De Jong was unlucky with and was probably pushed in when he was trying to shoot. Um, and kind of outside of that, there wasn't too much. There was a couple of long-range strikes. But I think when you've got Somebody like Chris Wood up front, um, you need to find a way to get crosses into the box to get the best out of him. Um, He does a lot of work, a lot of the donkey work and a lot of uh, off-the-ball running and drags defenders away. And then we don't quite manage to get him the opportunities that his work probably deserves.
3: And, And on those games, it's actually been 11 years since we've played Australia, is there a way to make these games happen more often, or is it just the the calendars too full? They are in a different conference now. What what's the answer here?
2: I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe it's money. Maybe it's timing. Um, I don't know. But I think the you know you look at the crowd numbers last night. I thought they were they were good. I'm sure the people are going to turn out in in Auckland. Um, you, you know we're looking at hopefully over twenty five thousand. So again, I think that that ticks the boxes. So it's a case of can we do this um, in terms of getting players back? That's the, probably the hardest bit. Um, you look at the players that are available because it's an win- international window. The likes of uh, Libby Kakachi, Chris Woods, you know, those guys potentially wouldn't be able to come back if we did it outside of windows. So it would have to be a, maybe an A-League-based um, all-whites team with the better National League players now probably not as beneficial, but still more beneficial than not having a game. So, um, could we get to that stage? It would be nice to get to that stage. Yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And look, the, t- the teams were pretty evenly matched on the stat sheet—fifty percent possession each, twelve shots on goal for each side. But both captains at the end of it were actually disappointed when they were when they were interviewed. Is that a fair reflection of of how you saw the game?
2: Yeah, I think I think this is um, a pretty weak australian side um from from you know over the last few years i don't think there's any real out and out superstars in in that squad um i think new zealand are going along quite nicely i think it's a young squad um that's sort of building um you look at some of the players that are out there they're they're starting their careers really and it, i think it will stand us in good stead that um if we can keep this particular group together and add to it i think there's going to be plenty more to come so i think the future is probably brighter for new zealand at the moment than it is for australia and that that maybe couldn't have been said um a few years back so i I think we're going to go the right way um but yeah i'd like to see more chances created um, and, and taken
3: yeah and there's a there is a nice mix in this new zealand side at the moment was there was there anyone who really impressed you thursday night
2: um, I think Libby, Libby down the left hand side always always impresses. Um, I thought yeah, Joe Bell again is someone who gives you a lot. I thought I thought the running in the midfield from um, from Garbutt as well was um, was pretty good to see, and he links up nicely with Elijah Just. Um, you know they, they they came through together in the Olay Academy, um, and I think you can see that link up working well. Um, it's just trying to get those guys in and around. Chris Wood maybe a little bit more um, so you've got that link up between the, between the three rather than it being a, a little deeper Yeah,
3: you mentioned you want to see that finishing aspect of the game we want to see goals on the score sheet are there real concerns in that area? I think it's now four straight games without a goal
2: I just think at the moment and, and I think it's a thing in, in, in New Zealand we don't produce um, centre forwards um, you know we've had one of the best ever in, in Winton Roof for many, many years ago. Um, Chris Wood, we had smelts as well in between. Um, you know, out-and-out goal scorers. I think Woodsy is an out-and-out goal scorer, but my worry would be who's the next one coming through. Um, and that's a, a problem. Is Ben Wayne the guy to, to pick up the mantle when, when Woodsy does retire? Um, you know, hopefully we've got a few more years of him yet. But, um, you yeah, know, who's going to be the next one? Is it Ben Wayne looking... Beyond that, yeah, you've got Kian Donkers, Oliver Colotti doing well in the, in the under-19s um, at the moment. Um, but I think that's a, an area that we need need to look at as, as a nation um, and, and produce more more centre-forward, really.
3: Yeah, and it's, that's a tough question as to, to how to do that and maybe with your coaching head-on, you can you can think through that. You can be part <laughs> of what's I'm, happening I'm in I'm looking
2: that. into it. Yeah, no, certainly. We're, we're looking into it ourselves down here. I think it's, it's something that... That is a miss. I think there's been a lot of um, work with within coaching at the moment on, on build-up play, which is great, and a lot of teams are playing you know, playing really well and they can advance the ball. But ultimately, the the, the the big bucks is is the people that put the put the ball in the back of the net on a regular basis. And I think we need to start producing more of those guys.
3: Yeah, and, and I guess with your coaching head on still, do you, do you like what Coach Danny Hayes doing? Do you like the style that the, the All Whites are playing with?
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Um, I think it's been good. I think we've I think we've come on um, from what I've seen um, in the, in the games that I've watched. I think we try and play a, a decent style of football. Um, we are trying to build up, and I think again, like I keep going back to, I think Danny has had a real go at, at making us a, a footballing side um, that can mix it with with, with decent international sides. Now, I think you know, gone are the days where we just had to sort of dig in and. See if we could nick a goal. I think we look like we're pretty comfortable in, in most aspects of the game. So it's it's that final third, which is which is always the toughest bit, in, in my opinion. You know, again, putting the ball in the back of the net is, is, the, is the hardest thing to
4: do.
3: Yeah, and his contract is up after these matches against Australia. So I'm hoping that we're going to be trying to do everything we can to to keep him involved. Because I agree, I think it, it looks like everything's going in the right direction. But it has also been. Five years since the All Whites have played at home. What's what's Sunday going to mean to the guys?
2: Yeah, I think it'll be. I think it's really uh, something they'll look forward to. You know, um, I know a few of them are. looking forward to it. Um, There's there's nothing like playing at home and again we don't get enough games at home so it will be nice for the New Zealand public to get out and and, and see some of these guys that they haven't seen for such a long time. I mean obviously COVID has has definitely not helped in in the last two and a half years um, with regards to that but um, if we can get a really big crowd and and the boys uh, will feed off that I'm sure, I I actually think we'll probably beat Australia in this this return leg so um, it'll be nice to see.
3: I love to hear it and of course it's it's Winston Reid. It's his last game for New Zealand. He's announced that he's retiring from international football. He was retire- uh, He was rested. Sorry for for game one, so that he was definitely good to go for this Auckland league. Does he finish as as one of our greats? And what's what's been his impact?
2: Oh, I think he's been brilliant. Um, you know, considering he came into the the World Cup in. Uh, in 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, 2010, um, kind of as an unknown, last minute, um, obviously popped up with a with a really important goal um, in the in the one-one draw at the World Cup, and, and went on to to West Ham, and you know there's only been a handful of players from New Zealand that have ever played in the Premier League, and he went on to have a really really good career. I think probably when you look back, his, his career was definitely blighted with injury. Um, certainly over the last few years, it's been really tough for him, but um, a real competitor, a real leader. And everybody I've ever spoke to about him has always said, you know, what a great guy as well. You know, a mentor in the change room, always takes the young boys sort of boy under his wing, looks after everybody. So I think he'll certainly be missed, um, you know, just as much on the pitch as off the pitch.
3: Yeah, love to hear it. And, and I guess last question for you, you've been heavily involved with Christchurch United. Have you enjoyed it? Has it been something you've you've really enjoyed doing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll, I'll always be honest and it doesn't give me the same buzz as playing does. Um, but I I do like um, trying to develop players to sort of go on and have an opportunity at, at playing at the highest level because I think it's, there's nothing better than being able to go and do something. And, you know, it's, it's like any job you've got, if you, if you get up in the morning and you enjoy going into work, um, well, I think that's, you've cracked it. So, there's no better job than being paid to go and play football. So that's kind of my message to the young fellas that we try and bring th- bring through. You know, give it give it your all now and see if you can get get an opportunity to do that. So yeah, that's what I enjoy more than anything. I think trying to give opportunities to others.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. And and I can clearly tell talking to you. You're very passionate about the game, and I could sit here and listen to you talk football for hours on end, so we don't unfortunately have the time for that today, but thank you so much for, for giving us a little window of your time to talk all thing all, wing, all whites, and hopefully they uh, they prove you right with the win on Sunday.
2: Yeah, thanks very much. My no worries at all.
3: Time to talk rugby now. This Canterbury Rugby Update brought to you by Kevlar Homes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. Ahead of a big weekend of rugby, we caught up with former All Black captain and friend of the show, Richard Lowe. Richard, thanks so much for joining us again. How's how's your week been?
4: Oh, brilliant. With um, I'm just up, to, been tailing lambs, or as the North Islanders would call it, docking for my uh, neighbour Dave Martin. Did a few today, so it, it's nearly bare o'clock.
3: Ah, sounds good to me. Now, let's start off with the, the Canterbury MPC team. Are you liking what you're you're seeing there? Are we starting to get the feeling that this team could be there or thereabouts come finals time?
4: Yeah, I, I've been impressed in one or two of the young young ones coming through, um, showing their wares, uh, you know, and it's great experience for them to be playing that standard rugby, and, uh, you know, I suppose the carrot at the end of the stick is uh, they all – are all trying to get a a super contract and move forward from that. So I think, yeah, they've been good. Um, The old competition's had its up and down with uh, Waikato losing to Targo the other week. But, um, yeah, I think the Canterbury boys should be there or thereabouts for the top four anyway.
3: Yeah, well, their last title was back in 2017. Do you think that's something that might be on their minds or are they a little bit too clinical for that?
4: no I, I I think that's totally different. Um, you look at who's been winning it, and I don't think I know Auckland's been winning a few uh, most of their games, but they've been struggling as well, um, so you know I think on the day you have to be on your, on your guard and I, I, one thing I've noticed with all the teams uh, they haven't done three games in eight days or ten days very well they've struggled uh, with the intensity of backing up, and I suppose that's just the learning curve, isn't it?
3: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's tough going, some of those schedules. But uh, it is mm. double-header time now at Eden Park. Black Ferns, All Blacks, sell-out crowd too, I believe. The last last weekend, All, all Blacks won it. They, they won it in the dying minutes. There was a bit of controversy around it. But uh, what did you make of the game?
4: I thought the game itself was quite good. The controversy uh, probably... My wife and I sit there watching, and we hate the time wasting. So, you know, that's out front there. And I know it's within the rules, but he should have—he he was warning them all, all game—and perhaps he should have penalised, or the referee should be penalising them. Especially, we see it when there's a the yellow card handed out; uh, they milk every minute they can of that ten minutes uh, and slow the game right down. So, I, I, I think there's a situation. I agree with, uh, it should have been done, but at that stage of the game, it was a wee bit harsh, I think. But hey, he's the man in the middle in charge.
3: Yeah, I completely agree, actually. I think one of the biggest frustrations in rugby is the amount of time wasting that goes on. So I'd love to see it called a bit more often, but yeah, pretty harsh to the only time you blow it being in the the final seconds of the game, But, but that's okay. Is it good signs though for the All Blacks that we've managed to scrape a win in that last match, or actually is it a little bit worrying that we got a good lead and we just couldn't put them away?
4: Yeah, that, that dropping your good lead where we're were 30, 31 or something like thirty-two uh, to thirteen, you know, midway through the first uh, second half, you don't drop leads like that, and I just think. Something's going wrong in that camp for them to drop it like that. But then you look at the team selection, and I, it, I can't follow it. Um, they brought Don. All right, Cody Taylor had a mayor his last outing, and I believe he deserves another, you know, shot at it. I think Dane Coles is a bit long in the tooth now, so you know they should be looking for someone young. But you go the next position out, the young props. Mm. The two Canterbury lads, Bauer and uh, Newell, have been coming on and doing what they need to do and doing it well. The Laulau has already indicated or stories out he's talking to French clubs, so let him go. You know, Tuamifati, his use by date is up. You know, you've got four young props that are playing well. Keep playing them and, you know, they'll get more experience, they'll get better at their trade and... They'll be ready for next year. But messing around bringing Lilau and Turma Fast back on the bench just bewilders me, Weaver.
3: Yeah, totally agree. Because they're only young young fellas. You want them out there playing as much as they can and just getting used to test match footy. But I, it's, it's probably not the only area that there's been a little bit of contention around selection. Some of these changes, mm. they've been injury enforced, of course. But yeah. you've got Geordie coming into number 12. We still can't see Will Jordan with number 15 on his back. What do you
4: make of this back Correct. line? Well, the midfields, you've got Leonard Brown, he's broken. Uh, Good broken. Who else have we got that normally running around the midfield there? Uh, it's, it's a position that's under stress. And, you know, there's you know, Harvili's out um, with his head knock, and I think there are four or five All Blacks out injured. And there's still no place for Tuvas a Yeah. You'd have to wonder what he was doing in the squad full stop. So, you know, that's a hiccup. The other hiccup position is loose forward. And we're lucky Artie Severe's coming back, and he always gives us it all. But with Ioni and Papalini um, at six and seven, they do worry me a wee bit whether they've got the ability to go their period of time. Ione's seems to run out of gas after 50-odd minutes. And then you've got, um, probably, he came on last week. He got, the meds, he got some bit. Mm.
3: Yeah, hopefully so, we don't see too yeah. much more of that, to be fair. But uh, also Sam Whitelock, I think he's been in great form. I'm really pleased to see him with the, the captain's armband on again this weekend. Your thoughts on that?
4: Yeah, well... Yeah, Artie's had the week off, and otherwise they might have made him captain uh, last week when when Sam Kane went off. But Sam Highlight's picked up the mantle, mantle and he's run with it. He does a reasonably good job, and his form is very good. And I just think he he's the right man for the job.
3: Yeah, and you mentioned Cody Taylor a little bit earlier on. How do you think he's feeling coming into this match? I mean, Aho has been. Sensational. Do you think, Taylor, even though he's got the start, he's got the opportunity to impress again? Do you think he's under a, a little bit of pressure?
0: Immense.
4: Immense pressure. We know how good he can be, and he can be very good. And he has to find that form uh, quickly. Otherwise, you know, uh, at this stage, stage, him and Dane Coles are uh, you know, fighting for that.
0: Second and third
4: position, and uh, you don't want, you know. I, I think there should be one or two young hookers, uh, you know, out of the, you know, uh, N- NPC that should be given a go too. So, you know, long time until little Cup next year, and someone can put their hand out. and I think it's Cody's chance to put his hand up and play for 60 plus minutes. But as an all black band, I'm pleased to have a very good hooker. It's just like the South Africans. Malcolm Marks, is not it? Mm. Have the best hooker in the world sitting on the beach. Um, we're, we're lucky we've got a very good hooker. If Cody doesn't perform tomorrow evening, today evening, uh, then, yeah, we're in it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it is a double header this weekend in Auckland. The Black Ferns are playing as well. They take on Japan. It's their last hit out before the World Cup gets started. What are they going to need to see from that game?
4: I think... The seven uh, girls that have come back uh, into the squad, the three of them, two are starting, I believe, and Fuller's on the bench side, I just think they have to, those three especially, have to show their wares um, so they can put pressure on the squad. You know, Wayne Smith knows what he's doing, and I think he's done it very well.
3: Yeah, well, even um, Sarah Hirani during the week, she mentioned how much she was having to learn and how much she was having to spend so much time before training just uh, cramming and going through the paperwork and everything she needed to know to play a test match on, on Saturday. So there's clearly a lot of work that needs to be done. But, yeah, we, we have to put faith in, in Wayne Smith that he, that he knows what he's doing and he, he's he got a squad that hopefully could try and, and win that World Cup, ideally. Um, but I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot a little bit here. Are you game enough to give us some some score predictions for the two games this weekend?
4: Oh, the girls are easy. They'll win. Yeah, they'll,
3: they'll win, win by 30. plenty, won't
4: they? Yeah, they, they, they'll win by plenty. Yeah, you're dead right there. The All Blacks should win. Otherwise, they, the hoodoo of Eden Park is out the back door. Um, I am disappointed with the selection, and though we spoke about the ones uh, that are on the beach Ready to make their first you know, appearance for a while. If and when they come on, and I'm talking the two of my farsies, the Lau laos, the two of our fish if and when they come on, if they don't play out of their skin in, spe- in spectacular form, we're in trouble.
3: Yeah, couldn't agree more, to be fair. Are you going to give me a, a possible score line? Are we thinking over, under 13?
4: uh they'll score they'll score a couple of tries and kick two or three penalties so what's that um let's let's say 32-18 like it like is that
3: it a lot.
4: for us to win, is that good enough for us to win the um championship
3: I hope it is yeah, i think 14. it should be 14, actually
4: 14 points we get the bonus point yep cool Yep.
3: like it so that's <laughs> perfect that's what we're after let's hope for two Good New Zealand wins in front of a full house at Eden Park. Richard, thanks so much for your time once again. Enjoy the footy and and look forward to catching up again soon. Thanks,
4: Frankie. Well, that
3: was former all-black captain and passionate front rower Richard Lowe, who we spoke to yesterday ahead of the Canterbury-Auckland game, and we really appreciate his time during a busy Friday, so don't worry when he refers to Bureau Clock. That was Friday night beers and not one first thing this morning. He was spot on the money with his takes on the MPC Canterbury not at their best early and were punished to be 10-0 down before kicking into top gear and running out winners 38-20 over Auckland. So let's hope his predictions for tonight's double header at Eden Park are right on the money too. That was your Canterbury Rugby update brought to you by Kevlar Homes, helping build the future of Canterbury Rugby. Kevlar Homes, proud partner of Canterbury Rugby. 26 minutes away from eight o'clock, and let's head around the grounds and check out what's going on in Canterbury. The big news: the Tākaka to Akaroa road relay has been forced to change its route over. It's it's been for more than 80 years. The New Zealand Road Relay Champs was scheduled as part of the 80-second Takaheda Akaroa run, and it'll still go ahead today just at Bottle Lake Forest instead of the iconic 76 k route. Tomorrow morning at 9am, the Muddy Good Run is happening at the Mandeville Sports Centre, if that's your thing. And of course, there's racing happening too. Mochakarara are hosting the Alibar DG Jones Trotting Cup tomorrow, and SENZ has of course got you covered as Mick Guerin and Greg O'Connor share their best of the day from 11am. New Zealand's favourite race week coming up to Addington Cup Week, November 8 and 11, on sale at addington.co.nz. It's time for Frankie's
2: 5.
3: Yeah, that's right, that time of the show again, Frankie's 5, brought to you by South Island Forklifts for all your forklift needs. It's football-themed this week, and on the back of Winston Reid announcing his retirement from international football... Coach Danny Hay resting him Thursday so he would get his farewell on New Zealand Shores. It got me thinking about where he fits in our greatest ever players. So that's the theme of Frankie's five today, five greatest all-whites. Now, producer Jacob, he's our resident football expert, so I'm sure he's got something to add on the back of it, possibly even a Jacob's five today. But I'll get started in no order. Number one, Winton Rufa. Paul Eiffel mentioned him earlier. He mentioned him as one of our best ever. If it's good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me as well. Broke onto the world stage at 17. Never looked back. Excellent player. So he gets my number one. Number two is probably the face I think of first when talk turns to to all whites. And it's Ryan Nelson. Had a very successful career in America and England. Contributed a heap to New Zealand football. So he's the number two spot. Number three, I have to go Steve Sumner. I've got to get him in there. I was lucky enough to have uh, here's some stories told by Steve and, and some fond memories told about him as well. A tough tackling midfielder for over 12 years. Had knife eye for the goal as well and, and just a top bloke. So he, with his 105 caps, he sneaks into my top five. Number four, it's Chris Wood. He's got 33 goals next to his name. New Zealand's leading goal scorer. That, that's all it takes to get into my top five. And it, the fifth spot, uh, it's always tough to decide on this last one. I contemplated Christchurch born attacking midfielder. Michael McGarry but you know I've gone I've gone with Winston Reid a 12 year career that iconic goal 2010 World Cup his teammates speak incredibly highly of him so he gets the nod for me now I can see I can see producer Jacob itching to have his say here so what have you got for me Jacob's five
1: all right so I'll just give you a few honorable mentions Rory Fallon for that header against Bahrain mm. Uh, you got Mark Passon, a penalty saved in that uh, that game too. One of like that game's just so iconic to me uh, as far as All Whites games go. I've got Tony Lockhead. Um, I've got to be honest. Uh, one of the one of the key players uh, for the All Whites for many years, and one of the players that I love to uh, shout at uh, <laughs> at the screen. Um, infuriating for the Phoenix and the All Whites, but I do love him. Um, got Leo Bertos, one of the most skillful players the All Whites have seen, in my opinion. He was the uh, number, iconic number seven for a while there. And um, a special shout-out to uh, Callum McAulett. I used to play football with him back in the day. So there you go. There's my five, Frankie.
3: There you go. That's, that's what it takes to get into a top five, a little bit of a personal connection. Love it. You can, uh, you can make up your minds which, which five you like better there, Frankie's five or Jacob's five. But we're going to take a quick break here, and then we will wrap things up with the panel. Right, into the home stretch now with the panel and two fabulous panellists today. The panel proudly sponsored by Malray Electric, putting the spark into Canterbury Rugby. I'm joined today by two of the voices of cricket and Jeremy Coney and Garth Galloway. Good morning, gentlemen, and, and welcome to
1: the show. Uh, good, good morning, Frankie. I, I can't believe you've got Coney out of bed at this hour, or have you? Is he there? Uh-huh. No, uh, well, he's uh, showing uh, up
3: on my screen.
1: He's up, up, he's up.
0: I am. Yeah, I'm up, Frankie. Hi, how are you? Good day, Gar. I'm Morning.
3: I'm great. I'm great. Well, since I've got you both here, let's look, let's dive into some cricket chat. Jeremy, I'll start with you. The black caps. Look oh, yes. do they just have a mental block against Australia? What what is going on
0: there? Well, that's uh, that's a big question, Frankie. <laughs> <laughs> um what was going on there? Well, they got into positions where they could win games and lost them, basically. I I don't think we're playing... We're we're a little team in decline, aren't we? I think. I don't think our players are playing as well as they might. Um, And I'm talking about some of the key players as well, like Williamson and Conway, for example, with the bat. Um, They're not quite in the form that they have been, and they're getting stuck, in the crease and they're not they're good enough players I don't think there's any doubt about that but good players I think Frankie can can hit a good ball for a run in other words they manipulate themselves around the crease in order to get it to the leg side and they force the bowler in the end to bowl wider of off stump and a cut comes in or a drive comes in and so on so but they are unable to do that at the moment and uh, and and I mean I'm not I'm not saying the conditions were overly easy. Uh, I think every every batsman struggled a little bit over there, um, and done that pitch. Um, but nevertheless, I think New Zealand are slightly off the pace. You know, with their catching, their fielding, their throwing in from the boundary. Just everything's a little bit not top class.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with you there, and, and Garth. It needs a bit of a quick fix, really. That, that T20 World Cup is coming up quickly. What, what needs to change to start winning some games in Australia? Is it as simple as when Williamson's back in form, this team starts running along a lot smoother?
1: I think that's a, that's a key factor for them. Um, you know, I mean, Australia, and, and you and I have talked, Frankie, about how, I mean, I, Jerry's hit the nail on the head saying it's a team in decline. I think it is, um, you know, and that's in all forms of the game. Uh, and, you know, the practices they've had warm-up games against uh, Ireland, uh, the Netherlands, Scotland, and so on. Nice sort of tours, but they don't really advance you. They advance those sides, but they don't really advance New Zealand much. Um, I think with the T20 World Cup, you know, it, I mean, it, in the end, uh, our pool's pretty good. Uh, England and Australia, look, you know, obviously you've got to win one of those games. Afghanistan, they should beat. Ireland will probably get into it, and Sri Lanka will top pool A and, and get in. So, in Australia, you know, it comes down to two games really: Australia and England, and winning one of those to get through to the semi-finals. Um, I think that a huge amount uh, rests on Williamson with the bat. And Jerry's highlighted the fact that you know Conway is not scoring runs. Guptil looks to be struggling and spluttering a little bit towards the end of a very good career. Uh, you know, we've got quite an inexperienced side. Players like Allen haven't played a lot of international cricket, so. Uh, you know, I, I, I'd love to see them do well. I think you can put your house on the fact they'll lose to Australia in, in the game against them, and then the game against England will become absolute key. But they need to somehow find a way to win again, and they got themselves into positions in Australia. And then, you know, I, I'm afraid um, they, they really appeared to be choking when the pressure came on against them.
3: Yeah, it did seem to be a, a bit like that, and hopefully we don't see too much of that T20 World Cup. That, that side has been named... Any surprises in there for you, Jeremy, or, or pretty predictable?
0: Uh, usual suspects, I think, Frankie. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, that's what Stead calls a settled side, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think, yeah, pretty pretty much as expected. Uh, I have a few little questions. Um, I've mentioned a couple already about the batsman. Um is, say, for the bowling... And Australia's generally a place with a, a bit more bounce, harder grounds, larger grounds. I do hope they push the boundaries out for this, um, for this tournament. Um, I think that Bolt, obviously, is our, is our number one bowler, um, and that's a whole issue in itself now that he's not centrally contracted. Southie, a little bit of a question uh, about his pace over in Australia. 130k, I don't think will do it. Um, And is he quick enough over there? He just looks a bit lacking zip and looks a bit fatigued to me, actually. Um, And then Ferguson and Milne, the other two... um, Milne I hope his injuries are gone. Apparently he's going to be fit for the pre-tournament mm. in Christchurch. Ferguson looks to be going for a few. Um Sodi is a bit of a question mark for me in Australia. I think he's our I think he's our best wicket taker in, in sort of T mm. twenty stuff. But I just think he's more an Asian kind of bowler, you know, UAE, Pakistan India, West Indies, that kind, those kinds of territories. And I think the bounce, well, we'll wait and see. I, I mean, I don't want to be a soothsayer of doom or anything like that, but I just have a question mark about him a wee bit over there. Um, and then I've got a question also about the number eight position. Who bats there? Because number eight's become a key, you know, a key power player. And I, I don't know quite who New Zealand are going to play at number eight after Santner at seven, who's actually improved his batting a bit. Uh, so, you know, it looks like it's going to be Gupdal and Conway, although, it, you know, they've used other openers there. And uh, Do you throw Finn and who's got a strike rate of 156 in there for a start, and push Conway down and Williamson down perhaps, one of those positions. Mitchell... Then you get into the power players, Mitchell and, and Phillips, perhaps. They're 140 and 133 for strike rates, and Nisham, 170. Then you're down to Santner, 135. So that's where the, the guts of our runs, you would hope, comes from, um, once they get a decent start in the foundation. Whether we get that or not, I don't know. Um, and then at number eight, who do we have there? And so that's, that's a bit of a question mark for me.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There is the chance I guess they're listed off a lot of names there, but if Finn Allen does go to the top and that pushes Williamson and Conway down, perhaps that pushes everyone down a spot and you actually end up maybe Mitch Santner comes in at that number 8 spot and you only play 5 bowlers, which to me comes across with a bit of a risk as well, but
0: That's dicey, Because you need 6 or 7 almost nowadays don't you, sometimes?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So as much as it's a settled squad there's still lots of Lots of questions about it, so yeah, we we will see how that goes. Garth Martin Gupdal, there's been a few questions about his form, but but he's one of our white ball greats, isn't he? He's he's worth persevering with.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I oh, oh no, absolutely. He's he's got to go to the World Cup. He deserves, you know, he he deserves that. Um, I I just wonder, you know, if he's just petering out a little. Um, and, and as Jerry said, you know, you're not seeing him. Uh, able to work the ball into the gaps and get out. He, you know, he's throwing his hands at the ball and getting out in slightly unexpected situations. Um, you know, I think of Taylor's last couple of years in test cricket. And, you know, I always think if players... The ideal thing is to go out on top and to be remembered at the at, at, at the peak. You know, that, that doesn't always uh, take place, obviously. Uh, Guptill, I think is you know he 's right in that area now where uh, he, he, people are starting to talk about the end, and I think that 's fair enough. t twenty you know what what's he played hundred and twenty one games at an average of thirty two strike rate of hundred and thirty five that's a you know that 's a hell of a good record uh, good if numbers. you compare it to win, whats that? yeah they are good numbers and if you look at williamson uh you know he he 's played um uh, Fewer. What? Just looking at Williamson's average. He's played fewer T20 games. He's averaging exactly the same, thirty-two, and his strike rate is uh, a little bit lower, one twenty-three. So, and if you look at Guttard's one-day. Average uh, 41 and, and, and Williamson, which is okay. It, it, I don't think that's absolutely top class. It, it's it's very good though in New Zealand conditions mainly. Williamson is averaging 46. Gubdale's strike rate is 87. Williamson's is 80. So the key, you know, the key for Gubdale is he's been a good run scorer and he's scored his runs at a very good clip. He's often given New Zealand the great start. Uh, you know, I really hope that he has a great World Cup. The other thing about him that people should remember: a, a wonderful fielder. You know, he's been he's been a great fielder for New Zealand and done mm-hmm. done good, good things. But um, needs to find a way to get a start, and he he's going to be key because losing wickets early in that T20 World Cup will put that you know some of those other players under a lot of pressure. And and a lot of those players, even though Gary said says it's a settled squad, a lot of them are very inexperienced.
3: Yeah, a, a, a tri series coming up in Christchurch. Jerry, you mentioned it earlier. Is, is this going to be a good warm-up for T Twenty World Cup? Bangladesh and, and Pakistan involved.
0: Well, you'd have more idea of the pitch conditions down there in Christchurch. It's a belter, um, it's always a belter. There you, well, there you go. Then um, that case it'll be jolly good. I would have thought. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Bangladesh, Bangladesh um, aren't regarded as a really strong. Uh, opponent I wouldn't have thought but I mean it's just for New Zealand to get out there and start to iron out some of the little issues that are developing and occurring in our games game situations when how do we use our bowlers what's the best way to use it's not going to be 10 overs so we have got this this group of bowlers haven't we which is sort of part-timers if you like you know, the Nisham and the Bracewell and the Mitchell and, you know, that, that type of bowler. Are we going to be able to slide them in at various times for one over and get them off? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I, you know, it's getting that, that pattern about how are we going to play um, and when we're under pressure in games, who can we look to? Um, and, and our fielding, our movement in the park, you know, our throwing and those kinds of things, everything has to be lifted. And so I think those three games are, you know, that tri-series is important. Once we get over there, we play South Africa and we play Pakistan in Australia as build-up. They'll be interesting games too. Uh, and then we're into it. So look, we just have to just lift everything, um, I can't say more than that. Perhaps it's yep. me just feeling tired from last night. Yeah. No,
3: that's, I, that's, that's absolutely,
1: absolutely
0: spot on. Yeah, I think Nisham's one of the players I think he'll be a key player. You know,
1: I, I do think he's, he is the sort of bowler that you have to slide in for one every now and then. But he's a, he's a very, you know, I think his key thing is his finishing. And, um, you know, but I, but I think when it comes to it, they've got few players they can rely on, a you know, few real stars. And uh, and as you say in those warm up games, I mean I don't think Bangladesh in New Zealand conditions are going to pose uh, much of a threat. Australia is so different playing over there. That's where it's um you know that's where it's going to be diff- difficult with the ball bouncing.
3: Yeah, look, we're almost out of time, gents. It's been fantastic to talk. We didn't even get on to the White Ferns, but they have managed to pick up the first ODI Series win in the West Indies as well. Won the first two games, done it with a game in hand. They've still got five T20s in that last ODI to come. So I'm liking what I'm seeing. I'm going to assume you're liking that as well. Been great to chat as always. Look forward To doing it again, we could chat cricket for a whole show, I'm sure, with the two of you. So thanks so much for for giving up your time, Garth and and Jeremy. It's been awesome.
0: My pleasure,
1: Frankie. See you, Jerry. Bradman's off for a walk. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye,
0: See (laughs) you.
3: Great to chat to those two guys talking cricket. That's it from the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner for another weekend. I'm Frankie Mackay. Been an absolute pleasure talking sport with you. See you same time, same place next week.